Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So the Bucks are taking every precaution to keep their players healthy, including providing a hotel to players who want to sequester themselves. We talked to Bruce Arians, and we'll give you all the highlights of that conversation, including how the running backs are stacking up. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they beat Boston in their round-robin game 3-2. to two. Much like the game against Washington, they gave up a 2 to nothing lead, but Tyler Johnson's goal on a rebound late in the third was the difference. The Lightning now in a great position to capture the number one seed in the East. And the Rays fall 5 to nothing to the Boston Red Sox. Ryan Yarbrough takes the loss. After an off day, they begin a four-game series with the Yankees, including a doubleheader on Saturday. We've got all that and much more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, I, I guess um, we'll start with uh, the Buccaneers and just uh, our conversation with Bruce Arians uh, real quickly. Um, we, we talked to him a couple weeks ago. You know, they have all these protocols in place, obviously, for the players. And I was over there mm-hmm. um, earlier this week. I mean, it is it is sort of overwhelming in, in some respects. We go over there and you get tested for COVID um, just about every day. The players certainly do. Uh, and then you get those results back on your phone at night, and then you come in and you have to show them the check mark that you take a survey and you know have you been around these people? Have you had a fever? Have you had any any kind of symptom in the last twenty four hours and so forth? And they give you a card and a key pass and and what amounts to um, a warning beeper if you get within six feet of anybody who's also wearing one, this thing goes off and it is annoying and it is loud, and they're able to trace who you're around. And all of that sounds great until you realize that at some point they're going to have to play football. Um, but along those lines, I mean, Bruce Do the players is, wear those on the field. I mean, will that go off during the game? <laughs> no, that would be, I'll tell you, it's, it, it's really loud too. Like it's annoying. I mean, I told you, I think I said this on the podcast the other day that uh, Eduardo and Cena was wearing one. And for whatever reason, like the rest of us were cool at six feet. If you were within 20 feet of Eduardo, that damn thing started beeping. We're like, what do you do? We got one that's kind of defective here. Um, but it, uh, it, it'll get your attention and that's, that's the intent of it, obviously. Um, and they got places marked off for the media to stand six feet apart. And, um, but you know, the guys are doing the best they can. The, the locker rooms divided all of those things. It's just that at some point football is going to happen. But in the meantime, you know, Bruce had told me about a month or so ago, he thought that like, look, it's inevitable. All the players will get infected. Now he's kind of changed his tune. Uh, in as much as he doesn't think that anyone will in, infect each other, at least at you know at the Bucks facility, he thinks that the, the protocols are so good, uh, and there's so much information um, that they'll be completely safe when as long as they're within their own little biosphere here of players. But then, of course, we know that it's not a bubble, uh, and in as much as the New Orleans Saints try to you know create a bubble. Um, by renting out, I guess, four floors of the Lowe's Hotel there in New Orleans, and a bunch of players, if not the majority of them, and many of the, you know, many of the staff and the coaches are staying there, and will do so throughout the preseason, maybe even into the regular season. So I asked Arians 
anything, you know, anything like that going on with the Bucks. And he said, oh, yeah, we got a hotel sequestered now, and we can't force the guys to go, so it's up to them. Um, but we've got veterans over there who don't live in town because they know how safe it'll be, and, um, you know, they're going to stay there the night before home games like they always have. And so, um, you know, there's there's an opportunity there for Bucks players, much like the Saints, um, to take that extra step and um, and try to stay safe. And um, I thought I thought that was interesting because, you know, the team that is able to sort of take care of each other is really, you know, is really the one that has a chance to win. And Arian said that the first day that the players were around, he wasn't happy because he said that they weren't staying far enough apart on the uh, on the practice field. And he said we were clustered too close together, talking to each other and. Um, coaching guys and and stuff like that but every day it uh you know it seems to get a little bit better and he's counting also on the fact that you know the nfl uh has fines for players uh up to one week's pay or they can suspend them if they you know go to high-risk covid uh 19 areas like bars and restaurants and different things um so arians thinks that that will be enough of a deterrent you know, and he also thinks it's different than baseball is you're not sitting in the same city for four days going to restaurants and all that stuff. And very seldom are they going to be in town for more than like 28 hours or so. So we'll see. But I thought it was uh, I thought it was telling that the Bucks have gone that extra step and they, they shuttle them over to the practice facility and buses. And these guys, um, you know, have all their needs taken care of that way. But, um, you know, taking it very seriously, obviously, and, you know, and they should because. Um, again, I think, you know, this thing's going to impact a lot of football teams. And it's funny that, you know, the Saints and the Bucks are the ones we know about, at least, uh, that are providing hotel rooms, even though it's not required uh, and can't really be enforced during training camp. So speaking of football, Steve, uh, let's talk about some college football. The Big Ten schedule is out. You know, I heard uh, I heard Paul Feinbaum say this. Apparently, you know, Michigan's going to play Ohio State not on Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving, but actually before Halloween, as it turns out, sometime in October. Mm-hmm. And Five Pump goes, well, I don't mean this as a slight, but maybe it is that at least Jim Harbaugh's team won't be losing its last game of the season. It'll be losing much earlier before Halloween. So, Well, you know, uh, the, an early loss is a lot better than a late loss in the, in the world of, you know, the, yeah. you know, the championship now and stuff. So, yeah, he's right, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the Big Ten is actually going to start on time. They're starting right after La- or Labor Day weekend um, is their plan. They're going to a 10-game schedule, all-conference games. Uh, every team has two bye weeks, so they'll play it in 12 weeks, um, which then allows them time if they have to push games back. They could push the Big Ten championship back to as late as December 19th, I believe it is. So they've got a few extra weeks at the back end that they could push things back if they need to get there. Um, unlike the SEC, who decided to they're going to start later, and then you know only play conference games, and then they have some flexibility in the back end too. But the Big Ten has decided they're going to start on time. If there's a college bowl series like there's been, right, um, and they have a committee to to try to come up with a Final Four, won't it be interesting because you won't have sort of the cross pollination that you usually get, you know, when maybe an SEC team plays Oregon or something like that, um, that you really got to kind of kind of make determinations. And I guess this happens to some degree, but on the conferences themselves, mm-hmm. right, on strength of schedule. Um, you know, uh, 
I don't know, an, an eight and two team in the SEC may be better than one in another in another Power Five conference. I, I guess it's truly going to be an eye test this year. Yeah, you're not going to have a lot of common points of, you know, how do yeah. you play against this team from the Pac-12 or this team from mm-hmm. the SEC or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be more on the eye test and 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 just how you play inside your conference and how dominant you are in your conference. Right, and, and how good that you know obviously the the better the conference is the, um, you know the the more impressive your wins will be and and I guess they'll have to come up with with ways well, of coming up with a champion. And you know you what know? hasn't really been talked about this year too much is what will happen with the bowl games. And and I mm. say that because tickets is a big part of that. Yeah, and and I know that the bowl game out in. San Francisco that plays at John at uh, the 49er Stadium, Levi Stadium. That bowl game has been that they've closed it. They've, it's canceled. Mm. Uh, they did not renew their contract with the stadium, uh, and I'm guessing part of that is is with the pandemic and that. And who knows if you're even going to have fans in the stands? Why would you renew a contract at this point? Right. But it'll be curious how many bowl games if college football happens and and we go through it. If there's no fans in the stands or very few, how many bowl games actually get played? Well, that is a great question, although a lot of the bowl games are actually owned by the networks, ESPN and mm-hmm. others, for programming. Yes, um, so those may last, but some of the other survive, ones may not. Right, but the other ones may not, right. And then, and then you're right about the attendance because, you know, a lot of these bowls give away millions of dollars, um, you know, to, to each team. They're contractual, contractually obligated, like at the Outback Bowl, uh, to get a, an SEC team and a Big Ten team together. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's got to affect, you know, all of that without fans and, you know, maybe by the time we get to January or mm-hmm. thereabouts, some things might have changed a little bit, but sure. I don't think significantly enough to where you're going to be seeing, you know, full stadiums and things like that. So they're, the revenues, not to mention people traveling down, you know, what it means to some of these areas to host these bowl games. Um, we know what it means to Tampa Bay and they've lost so many events as a result of this. And trying desperately to cling to the to the hopes of playing a Super Bowl, uh, February seventh or sometime in the spring, and that that's obviously the big one. But uh, man, it's you know the, the, just the tentacles of this is reaches pretty deep, and um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to affect. I think it is going to affect bowl games for sure. Now the AAC came out today and said they're going to play an eight game conference schedule. Okay. And they're going to start uh, like the third week of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, everyone schedules as is, and you can play non-conference games at your uh, what, however many you want to play, or wow. whatever whatever you want to do. Assuming that the protocols we come up with are met at these games. So, could USF still play Texas? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, could they go play other Power Five schools? Yes. Um, pending that you know wherever if they go play at name the school Texas wherever that yeah. that those protocols that the AAC is is setting are met and granted those schools are going to have their own protocols and a lot of these conference protocols are probably going to be very similar yeah um, I mean they they do all work together and a lot of the protocols are going to be the same ones the NFL does I mean it's kind of you know mm-hmm. you take best practices from football but so the AAC I mean USF still could play a full schedule uh, based on what the the commissioners and the the, the conference came out today and said I'll bet Mike Kelly is busy. I'll bet. I'll bet he's trying to find mm-hmm. you know teams to play. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Texas, but 
hopefully they get paid if they if they don't end up there but you know it's uh i mean i I would like to see i would like to see usf schedule some games i mean i don't look it doesn't look like it's possible with with some of the teams in the state of florida but well, can, we know the SEC has said no non-conference games. The right. Big Ten has said no non-conference games. Right. Uh, the ACC, I believe it's plus one. But I, it's mostly reserved for rivals, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's we'll see how it all shakes out. And, and this is, of course, all assuming that college football does play, but which I, I still think there's some d- debate on that or doubt on that. But hmm. Yeah, I do too. And um... – even though they're pushing the season back, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just not confident how they're going to pull this off with students, maybe not on campus, some on campus. Um, you know, the representation. I, I, I still think it comes down to university presidents that are going to make this call, not the athletic directors. Right, and they tend to be risk adverse. Well, they do, but who's more important to the University of Alabama, Nick Saban, or whoever the hell their president is? I'm guessing most people would say Nick Saban. The president would probably say the president. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know who. I, I mean, know Nick who Saban's makes the most important person in the state of Alabama, but the president <laughs> of Alabama doesn't believe that. I know. I know. I know he may. I can tell you who makes more money. I know that for sure. It's not even a question. So, uh, money is power. Nick has it. So, we'll, you know. That that's. Just I mean, I, I lived goes. in Alabama, and Alabama stunk when I was there. That was uh, Mike Price had taken the job and then had to leave before he even started. Right, uh, that was I the mean, strip club thing, wasn't it? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's rolling, yeah. baby. It's rolling. <laughs> it's rolling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Tommy Tuberville was coaching at Auburn at the time, and they were a better program. But Alabama still, I mean, that that position still the most important position in that state. Period. Oh yeah, not even no close. Doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So let's talk a little hockey because uh, I got a chance to watch some of this game. Heard some on the radio. It was fun listening to Phil and those guys call it. Um, you, of course, are right there. But uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they beat the Boston Bruins. Look, uh, when you can go in after this long of a period away and, um, you know, win a game, albeit an overtime shootout, uh, but go toe-to-toe with the Washington Capitals. And then um, you, you know, you, you prevail over a Bruins team that fought back hard. I mean, both these games were two to nothing. Lightning jumped mm-hmm. out ahead, gave up those leads. And then, of course, in the case of Washington, they won in a shootout. But in, in this case, um, you know, on Wednesday, uh, Boston – came back and and you know you got to see Tyler Johnson with a a rebound goal in in the final minutes of the third period and they win again and now they put themselves Steve in a great position and a good chance of, of maybe being the number 1 overall seed in the east so with the win today uh, on Wednesday they assured themselves they cannot be the fourth seed okay um uh, because Boston cannot catch them right so at this point they cannot play Pittsburgh in the first round that's assuming Pittsburgh advances now right now in game three of their series which is tied 1-1 they're down late in the third as we're taping this so Mm -hmm. um, they may not even advance 
if the Flyers and Caps, who will play their round-robin game today, if that game ends in regulation, doesn't matter who wins, if it en- ends in regulation, then the Lightning are guaranteed a top-two seed. Wow. Because And they'll still play the Flyers. Because the, the Lightning will have the tiebreak against the Flyers or the Caps. Mm-hmm. Because the tiebreaker is not overtime or regulation wins like it is in the regular season. It's actually regular season winning percentage, which the Lightning were better than the Caps and the Flyers. Right. So if that game, if if the Caps win in overtime against the Flyers, then at that point, then yeah, the Lightning are not guaranteed. They're guaranteed top three still. They're not guaranteed top two. At that point, both Washington and Philadelphia could pass the the Lightning on on this weekend when they play. So, but yeah, well, Lightning, they, Lightning are in good position. I thought they played really well today. I did too. I, I don't know if I should be worried about Andre Vasilevsky. Well, look, he's given up. I mean, what's weird about it is, is that, you know, he's given up four goals that have gone kind of through him. Well, that, you know that's what, what worries me. It's not, it's yeah. not that he's played bad. I didn't think he played bad, but he normally swallows pucks up. I mean, right. that's one of the reasons he's one of the best in the game is that he does right. not give up rebounds. Right. And that's where a lot of goals are scored in this league. He just doesn't give them up. He eats pucks up, and yeah. they're leaking through him right now. Now, I don't know well, if that's just perfect shots that, that you know Washington and Boston has made, and those are two really good teams. I mean, two of the best teams in hockey, period, that you played. Mm-hmm. And you only gave up two go- you know two goals in each one. So – like I said, I don't know if I should be worried yet. Those are pucks he normally swallows up and doesn't let leak through. Right, right. And, 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 and McDonough just, saved one today that that could have been a goal. Have, uh, mm-hmm. What was it? Headman on Monday saved one that could have been a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that leaked through again. I mean, you know, it's it's that's it, it's not that he played poorly. I mean, it's not like he's letting pucks get right by him and he didn't see him or you know just misplayed them. It, it they're they're hitting him, but he's not holding them or they're leaking through him. And I don't know if I should be worried yet on that. Well, I'd be a little concerned, but I I do think that, you know, you have to give him credit for making some big saves Mm -hmm. really in both games. In the first game, there were some breakaways that he, he absolutely stoned. And of course he wound up winning, you know, in a, uh, you know, in an overtime shootout uh, where he prevailed. So, I mean, all those – he's made some big stops. I think he made 11 stops in the third period against Washington that were mm-hmm. – many of those were, were, you know, were game winners, essentially, that he was able to keep them in it. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it, has he been as sharp? No. Is he seeing everything maybe the way he normally would and shutting it down before it leaks between them? Um, you know, uh, like I said, four of those goals, people punched in from the crease behind him when he just – you know, it, it also yep. helped to – have somebody knocking those guys out of the goal so they can't get their sticks on it once once he gets behind them like that. But, yeah, it's concerning because you keep seeing it happen over and over again, you know. But he's still the greatest goaltender in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to – you have just like any player, you have to give him time to sort of get his skates under him a little bit. And I, I think he's going to be better as he plays and continues to play. It's just that it looks the same over and over again, and that's not what you're ever used to seeing from the greatest goaltender in the world. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a bit disconcerting. But I- I'll tell you what's not is that when you look at and I was reading John Romano's column about this in the Tampa Bay Times. Go to TampaBay.com and read this. But, you know, on the season, and I know it seems like a million years ago that we were talking about the season and not necessarily this restart, 
But the Lightning now are 7-3-1 and one against the Bruins, the Caps, and the Flyers. And, you know, that's with one more game to go against Philadelphia on Saturday. So that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. with what they've done against the top teams. They look like, in this round-robin portion of the tournament, they look like the team to beat to me. Of all the teams that you've seen play, um, I think they've looked the best. But what do I know? Uh, I, I agree. I thought. I, I thought. I think Carolina's played very well in the Carolina East. Carolina has. Mm-hmm. I thought Columbus's first game was fantastic. Right. Um, they laid an egg in their second game. Yes. But beyond that, I, I think you're right. As far as in the East, I think the Lightning have played the best hockey of anyone you've seen. Um, right. I, I think. They've played the two other best teams in the East. Mm-hmm. They they controlled game for almost Much two full it. periods. Right. Mm-hmm. And when the other team started pushing back, they pushed back too, and they withheld pretty well. Like I said, I, those those goals that leaked through, I mean, it, it wasn't like people just beat Vasilevsky straight up. I mean, no. you know, and that's what I, I, I don't know whether to be concerned. But as a team, I think the Lightning have played very well in the, in the first two games. Has it been perfect? No. Has it been a full 60-minute effort? You know, you, there's parts in here where you could say, you know, they need to be a little better. And, and McDonough and others in the postgame talked about, hey, we're still looking to p- play a 60-minute game. We haven't done that yet and, and mm-hmm. that. But overall, for being off for four and a half months and coming back and playing the two best teams in the East that aren't yourself, number one and three seeds, you played very well. You came out with both. You, you found a way to win, which is what you need to do in the playoffs. I, I think they, they've done pretty well. No, I, I, I totally agree. Here's where they've not done well. They've taken too many penalties. And again, mm-hmm. the refereeing in the in the postseason, we know they tend to swallow their whistles a little bit, or in case of the Lightning, a lot. But their opponents have been uh, given eight power plays, and the Lightning have just two. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they got none against the Capitals, which I'm sorry, there should be a rule that if you play Alex Ovechkin and those guys, you – there's got to at least be about five power plays on your side because there's no way those guys aren't crossing the lines um, very often. But they got no penalties against the Washington Capitals, and they only have, like I said, um, you know, only 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 two um, out of the well, eight. Well, even better is the opponent. penalty kill has been great. It's been phenomenal, yeah. Uh, Boston had one of their penalty kills today had some really good chances, and they kind of they, they played with fire on one of them. But overall right. – their penalty kill has been very good, which is very promising. When you because in the playoffs, you don't get many playoff or penalties. Mm-hmm. So if your penalty kill can can stop it, if you can get power play goals, you got a good shot to win games. Because you don't have a lot of ice, there's not a lot of room. The scoring's down. So if your penalty kill is playing well, you got a really good shot to win. Right. Yeah, and you you just don't want to give those chances away, and um, you know. Again, I, I I think they've they've looked the best. We'll see what happens. We're still a little ways from them actually getting into the Stanley Cup portion of of this tournament. But um, the 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 moves they've made, you know, adding adding some mm-hmm. some physical uh, ability or uh, uh, you know on that defense and, and in different places on that hockey team to go with the Kucherov and and Braden Point line. I'm wondering, do you put Stamkos on that now when he comes back? Let's assume, I guess he's not going to play in the final game either. But let's assume he comes back at some point. Where where does he where does he fall? Well, your first guess would be Mitchell Stevens comes out. 
I mean, right. that, that's who but he's he did. playing so well. Well, and I mean, that's that's the big question is is he has played really well in the first two games, and they put him out there. How about the faceoffs? Well, and, and look, they don't have many right handed. Yeah, face. I mean, that's why Stamkos comes out on penalty kills when it's yes. a, a, a face off to the right of the goalie because they need mm-hmm. a right hand. You know, so Stevens is a right handed face off guy. Now his percentage today wasn't very good. It was three uh, three out of thirty percent. Right. Three he won three lost seven. But he was taking big face offs against Patrice Bergeron and 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 Boston dominated the face offs, particularly in the second period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they went eighteen and four in the second period. Boston did in face offs. Um, but Mitchell mm-hmm. Stevens has played very well, and it's you start to wonder. First of all, if Steven Stamkos comes back or when. Yeah. Um, at this point, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if you know. I'm guessing he's not going to play Saturday, and if that's the case, he may not play in the first game or two next week when the playoffs start, either Tuesday or Wednesday for the Lightning. Right. But if or when he comes back, assuming there's no other injuries, of course. Is it Stevens that comes out, or are they going to, or do they, you know, does does a Yanni Gord or Cedric Paquette or somebody like that come out instead? I, I, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a, an interesting decision. Now, a lot of times these things take care of themselves, and sure, in sports, and the decision's kind of made for you based on another injury or something else. But um, it's an interesting decision. I mean, you know, Mitchell Stevens has taken the opportunity to slot in for you know, Stamkos in the lineup, and he's taking advantage of it. Yeah, and, I, and for that reason, I, I I think they'll have to go somewhere else and find somebody else because I think Stevens is playing too well and doing too many things that are good for them. So, you know, hopefully Stamkos does get back. Um, but in the meantime, if it's not broke, you know, that that's less of a reason also to push him back. You know, if he mm-hmm. needs a little more time or would benefit from that, the way they're playing, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gives you sort of some options there. Yep. And I'm sure he wants to get back as soon as possible and they'd love to have him. The other people, thing, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, some people on Twitter, like Lightning Twitter, I'm not as familiar with as I am. Buck Twitter is a terrible place, right? It's an awful neighborhood. Most, most Twitter is, but. Yeah, and, and but for the people that have been sort of like good ridden Steven Stamkos, we don't need him. Um, what? <laughs> like, I'm amazed that sometimes people, you know, here's here's the captain. Um, yeah, maybe he doesn't score 60 goals a year, but my goodness, what what he means to this hockey team and. But when things are going well and you're not a part of it, all of a sudden nobody needs you. Well, and here's the thing. And it's easy to sit there and say good riddance to Steven or we don't need him because he has missed a lot of time over the last few years and you've done well without him right? during those windows. But if you look at his game over the last two to three years, particularly the last two years, and how he's improved on the faceoffs. Right. He's improved in so many other areas of the game, not not just the scoring part of it. And right. by the way, you want him on your power play. Yes, you do. I mean, we've only Heck seen yeah. two power plays in 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 the two games, and they but scored they thirteen score. seconds into the one. So you know, right. you've really only seen one full power play. But you want Steven Stamkos opposite Nikita Kucherov on that power play because teams don't know where to stop. Right. If Victor Hedman's you know dishing out the they have to the cheat. puck the way yeah. he should, then, yeah. then you don't know where to go. Right. So. You definitely want Stamkos out there, but what he's done in the face, he's become their top face-off guy. Two years ago, you'd have laughed if you'd have said that. Right. You know, he's worked at it. I mean, he's, he's, his game has changed a lot, and he doesn't score as much. And, and, you know, the other part of it is, is since he's moved to the wing with Point and Kucherov playing on the same line with him, he's a totally right. different player. Sure. Because he doesn't have to play the center role. 
he can focus more on 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 the other parts of the game and he's look you want him back absolutely but you need him healthy back too so the good right. thing is you have depth and you're doing well without him because you have organizational depth but you definitely want right. Stamkos back i mean you absolutely know, those who don't absolutely. want him back is are crazy no, I agree, and 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 again, because they're playing so well, maybe you're not as inclined to rush them, or or maybe mm-hmm. you take that extra precaution. But um, yeah, the captain has to be with you, and and uh, and I hope he will soon. It'll be interesting Saturday not... what they do with the goalie. Well, I think you got to play the other guy a little bit. I well, mean, they... even if you start uh, Vasilevsky, well, you know, you can't. Yeah, they've said they want to get McElhaney in the game in one of these games, but yeah. If Vasilevsky isn't 100% there and worried about the leaking goal, he may want the whole game. And then no, how do you balance too. that, too? I, and I don't, you know, I don't know how Andre Vasilevsky feels about his performance. Like I said, I think he's played well in the two games. Yeah, you just, Cooper said the, that. The, those, those pucks just normally don't leak through him. Normally he swallows those up, and you, it's a face-off to the right or left of the goalie. Yeah, um, He's not letting them slip through, and then you know players knock them in. So... You know, Vasilevsky may say, I want another full game to get ready for the playoffs. You know, or do the Lightning stick with their plan that they want to get McElhaney in for a period or two? You know, you're, you're not going to get the fourth seed. You're going to be, you're guaranteed, you may be guaranteed a top two seed by the time t- today ends when yeah. the Capitals Flyers game's over. So, I mean, I think you will see McElhaney in, but it'll be interesting what they do with it. Well, it'd be a big ask if um, your backup goaltender doesn't play at all, and something were to happen to Andre, and and that's his first action is in the right in in the Stanley Cup. But uh, but the good thing is, is McElhinney is a veteran too. It's not he like is, he's yeah. a young goalie that doesn't have a lot of experience. So right, you know, he's he's played the backup role before. He's experienced. He's you know, he's not someone that's that you're you're going to worry about in that regard. Um, but you like to get game action periodically. Yeah, so I mean, I would think that he would play some, but you're right. Maybe Vasilevsky wants a whole game to iron things out. The team that's not playing well right now are the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose five to nothing to the Red Sox, um, the team with the worst record in the American League East. Yarbrough had his moments; he had some good ones, but he certainly gave up some big, big hits and and, and some home runs. But um, look, the, the the story of the Rays so far this year is is a couple things. But the biggest thing that stands out is they can't hit. They are not bunching hits. They're they're you know the guys they brought in here, um, you know whether it's Yoshi Suzuko or um, batting one eighty two. Yeah, you you can go down the line. Renfro um, Hunter Renfro is is got a bad average. At least he's driven in nine runs. I'll give him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you got guys, I mean, I was saying before the podcast uh, with you, Steve, that. You know, if I have to watch Mike Zanino hit again, I would just assume they DH and I'll watch the pitcher hit. I mean, I've not seen a guy, and I know how it feels because, believe me, I didn't play in the major leagues, nothing close to that, just baseball in college. But there is a time as a hitter when you're in this funk and you can always tell when you're in the funkiest of funks because you end up taking pitches right down the heart of the plate and not swinging and then you chase everything outside the strike zone, and it's inexplicable even to you. You are so lost up there that you're guessing, right? You're guessing you're going to swing before the pitch is even thrown. And I, I can't tell you how helpless of a feeling that is, and I swear to you that's exactly where Mike Zanino is. He has no idea what to swing at, and he's not seeing the baseball, obviously. Uh, he had three strikeouts, you know, again, 
on Wednesday. And there's too many hitters that are not, you know, putting the ball in play and, and sort of they wanted to add some muscle. They wanted to add some home run power, but for whatever reason, you know, that's never really worked for the, for the Rays. It didn't work when they were like, you know, second in the American league in home runs and lost over a hundred games several years ago. And, and I don't think it's going to work now, but uh, they just can't get base runners on much less get them over or get them in. And it's really a problem. Uh, and folks don't, don't look now, but you know, the sand is, is flowing pretty steadily out of the hourglass here. You've got to, you know, start making up some ground a little bit. And well, over the next month, you're playing the Yankees 10 times. Yeah. 10 times. Yeah. So you, you better use that day off and the pitching needs to, needs to come around. Blake Snell needs to have a good outing to start that series. There's a lot on the line and it's on the line right now. They, <clears throat> excuse me. They don't have time to wait. Um, I, I just get a feel that these bats, I know Meadows gave him a little bit of a lift, and any time they face a left-hander, they're particularly vulnerable because, you know, they just don't handle them very well. But, man, what a what a disappointing, uh, you know, sort of a disappointing series for them. And, you know, they've got to get back on it, and they're not going to have that many more days off. This will be their second day off already. Um, you well, know, this wasn't even it? supposed to be a day off. So, oh, that's right. That's um, true. They're going to play the doubleheader on Saturday, which are seven inning games now. Mm-hmm. Which I love, but yeah. But yeah, I you mentioned Zanino. He's batting 077. Oof. The catcher position for the Rays is batting 063. Oh, my gosh. Two for 32. Oh. How did they get the two? It's a miracle. <laughs> it's like <laughs> It's like that. Bull Durham, they right? have a, the catching position has as many hits as hit by pitches. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, you said it. You long, you long for the days of who? Jose Molina. Jose Molina. Yeah, bring Just back Jose. That, yeah, somebody that can hit two hundred. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Even if there's no no balls flying out of the park, it's horrible. And it's been this way for a long time with the Rays, obviously in the catching position. But man, I mean, there's some guys that are lost up there. You know, and they need somebody to stop the bleeding. I thought Meadows did a good job of that, you know, the night before, but they were right back on the schneid again and just not seeing, swinging the bats well. And when they do get a couple guys on, nobody gets the big hit for them. Um, so they're stranding them out there. But, we, you know, a, a shutout, you know, never looks good, obviously, in the box score. And um, I don't know. They better pull themselves out of this funk. But I, I tell you what, the Yankees are going to have any trouble hitting. They've got some guys that can mash and um, they're going to have to find a way to slow them down. So I don't know. Feel bad. I mean, of the three teams, you could say, okay, I'm pretty confident with the Lightning that they're going to be in the hunt here pretty deep. I think the Bucks might, but we're so far away from what the NFL season is even going to look like, much less can they topple the New Orleans Saints and all of yeah. that. Um, so I'm just kind of all in on the Lightning now, even you're, though I, even though the Rays were my pick to win the World Series, as you you're know. You're 20% through the the baseball season now. You're 12 games 20%, in out of 60. yeah. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, adds up so quick. Fast. This adds up so quick in a 60-game schedule. Well, and like we've said, uh, you know, because they're playing 37% of the games they normally would, every game, win or lose, counts about 2.7, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you just can't have these streaks unless they're winning streaks. You just can't afford them. And I don't, I know it's disappointing, but the bottom line is they're not hitting the baseball. They haven't been doing much of anything really. Uh, they weren't catching the baseball very well of late. Um, but it doesn't, it just doesn't look like the team that started four and one. 
and it's hard to put your finger on. But it starts with pitching, and again, I thought Yarbrough did okay. He had a couple of mistake pitches, but um, if they don't score any runs for you, I don't care how well you pitch, you're not going to win. And they got to get it going. So we'll see after the day off if they uh, can do that against the against the Yankees. And the doubleheader will be, as you mentioned, seven innings on Saturday uh, as well. Uh, and before we go, a little uh, little bright spot here. Kind of an interesting thing by my boy John Gruden and the Raiders of Who? Las Vegas. Who? Yeah, John. You know John. Um. He, so, you know, there's a lot, and Bruce Arians talked about this too. You know, as coaches, you have to be prepared for everything because you could have members of your staff, right, come down with COVID, and you better know, for example, who's calling the plays or who's the, you know, who's the head coach of the day, um, that sort of thing, who's moving up the linebackers, all of that. Uh, and so apparently uh, Gruden played a kind of a, what you'd call a prank, I guess, on his players, but it was it was sort of purposeful, maybe a purposeful prank, if you let it into alliteration. Um, and that is that um, they were supposed to have a Zoom call with John, and instead it was Rich Basaccia, of course, who coached here on Gruden's uh, Super Bowl team, coaches special teams there in Oakland as well. Uh, and so the players, you know, they got on their laptops or, or iPads or whatever, and then there was Basaccia. And he says, you know, you guys don't expect, aren't, weren't expecting me, whatever. Coach Gruden has COVID. <laughs> like, and everybody was like, oh, really? Wow. That's, you know, because there's been a couple coaches, obviously, with Sean Payton and um, Doug Peterson. Who else got it? Oh, yeah, Doug Peterson, exactly. Um, so this was very plausible to them. And, and then, I guess, before uh, before it was over, Basaccia let him in on, on the secret, which is not, Gruden's not really got COVID. But we're just trying to prank you a little bit here and let you know the seriousness of this and how everybody's important and anyone can be can be effective. So I'm just wondering like what you know what what that must have been like. I guess Gruden came up with the idea. You know, I think better would have been if he'd actually gone on there and just like I mean, you wouldn't want him to pretend to be sick necessarily, but I mean what is a I'll tell you what, man. I'm a little under the weather, you know what I mean? We'll let my man Rich Besace is going to run the meeting, okay? I got to get some rest. I'll be back in about 36 hours. I mean, what would he say? So, <laughs> yeah, so thankfully John is okay. And uh, don't believe don't believe the uh, the hype. Don't believe the prank. But uh, they, got, they got a feeling. And, of course, Rich has been his right-hand man here for a long time, as he was as he was in Tampa. In fact, as a matter of fact, they used to, you know, Saturday night is a big night in the NFL before you play on Sunday, obviously. And, and you really think and and sort of strategize, you know, okay, what are our themes we want to hit on, you know, at the hotel the night before the game? Who your opponent is? You know, who's going who's gonna to address the team? We're going to have a guest speaker. We're going to use some players. Um, Rich Basaccia was a guy that Gruden frequently – called upon to talk to the entire team to get them going and fired up uh, on Saturday nights. Used to do it all the time. And, you know, one of the benefits of having a guy like Basaccia, because he's a special teams player, and I don't know why people don't hire more of these guys, like a John Harbaugh, for example, who coached special teams, because he's the only guy on the staff, if you think about it, that, that actually coaches both offensive and defensive players. I mean, the team itself is sort of split into two teams, to be honest with you. 
and they're run separately by different men, and, and they do come together on the practice field. But for the most part, they're competing when they are. Um, and But the one guy that has to get everybody motivated and knows these guys inside and out, particularly when they come in as rookies, are the, is a special teams coach. And that's where Basaccio was so good at it. And, you know, John used him for that. So if something happens to John, um, you can expect that Rich will be the guy that, um, you know, that probably takes the, takes the headset and, and becomes the head coach that day. All right, so we've got uh, big news for tomorrow. Uh, stop traffic, wake the kids, call the neighbors. But Tom Brady, remember that guy? Who? Plays for the Bucks. Yeah, number 12, TB12. You mean that old guy? Yeah, yeah. Well, older now because he turned 43 on August 4th, which was just a few days ago. I had had him at 43 for a long time, but it turns out he's just a 43-plus couple days. He is actually, and, and I know this is unusual, but he's actually going to talk on a Zoom call. He's going to have a, a press conference, a media conference, if you will, uh, at one ten p.m. tomorrow, not one o'clock, not not one fifteen, one ten tomorrow afternoon. We'll get a chance to catch up with Tom Brady uh, without the benefit of a telephoto lens. And uh, does Zoom work sort of on thing. his iPhone six that he's still using? I I hope so. I don't know. That's you know the iPhone six question may come up. That may be one that comes up. I'm not really sure. Where would you start with Tom Brady? What would you say? What's your first question that you want to know about when Tom Brady gets on Zoom? Did you really deflate footballs? <laughs> no, you can't go back that far. <laughs> oh, okay, Come on. okay, okay. He's already denied that. Erroneous, erroneous. No, you can't go back to Spygate or any of that. Um, I, so I don't know. You're the reporter. You're going to be on the conference call tomorrow. What's your first question? Yes, I am. Well, I might have the first question. I don't know. I thought I'd cheat and ask you. I, I mean – Look, we haven't talked to him. If we had talked to him recently, it might be different. But the fact that we haven't, he's been here now since April. His family's down here. We know about all the workouts at Berkeley. He's been around this football team quite a bit. He knows these guys not just you know professionally, but in some cases probably personally. I am curious. I mean, I'm not saying this will be my first question, but I, I would like to know sort of you know now that he's been down here and he's thrown to all these guys, just what does he think he has? You know, um, what's been his interaction? You know, how hard is it for him to get ready for a season with a bunch of guys he hasn't played with, with no off season, or you know, to speak of no OTAs, no preseason? What keeps him up at night? You know, you, you got to think that a lot of that is the chemistry he's trying to build and has a very short time to do it. And um, you know, a lot of, a lot has happened since he got here. I mean, he's you know, the house at Jeter's place and the golf tournament with tiger i mean there's a ton of things that have transpired that we haven't talked about shady mccoy and gronkowski a lot of things so we'll have a chance with tb12 so want to stay tuned for that on the podcast tomorrow we'll, we'll bring it all of it to you and uh, kind of break it down for you and give you our opinions of, uh, of what tom brady had to say and just where this thing is headed so Tom Brady will discuss tomorrow on the podcast. We're here every Monday through Friday, as you know. Thanks so much again for joining us. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.